Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. I'm a life coach, author, and speaker. I also work full-time as a process analyst in the power industry. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had diabetes for nine years. I love hiking and painting. I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after I get my degree in college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my life and my future, to learn everything I can about type 1 diabetes. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 116 of This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're going to talk about our tips for starting a new sport and our experiences with changing activity levels. Jesse, you have the win this week. All right, so I have the win this week, and living in Montana is quite the learning experience. This last Monday on October 11th, we had our first big snow hit the ground, and um, I would say it was about six to eight inches, roughly, at one point. It was kind of impressive, honestly, but it definitely threw me off my routine. My campus lost power, and we had to make sure that my insulin was definitely cold and insulated, and to make sure to shut my fridge door and made it make it stay shut. So my win this week is basically being planned and making sure that everybody knew what was going on and how to be a little bit more resourceful and going with the flow because even our dining halls lost power and I had to eat fruit and bread products for my dinner or my breakfast. But overall, I kept a good eye on my blood sugar and made sure that if things started to go worse that I had a further emergency plan. So we were all good. And now what's our fail this week, Colleen? Well, first of all, snow in early October is new for both of us. <laughs> Like, even when I went to school in Pullman in Washington, we didn't really get snow that early. But six to eight inches, that's fun. This winter is going to be awesome. So my fail is that I ripped out of sight today. <laughs> First one I've done in a really long time. It was on my upper thigh, so kind of still a new spot that I'm getting used to. And just kind of pulled the pants in a weird direction, and it was like, pulled right out. Thankfully, I had a spare site to replace it with instead of like going into my boxes of 10 to kind of change the the order or the number in those boxes. I just had a, an extra from either when I was getting the Lura locks, which was a weird incident, or when I was getting the shorter the shorter tubing. So it was, it was like a, a throwaway site, but I just had it as a backup in case. So that's my fail, ripping out a site. Happens to all of us, sometimes more frequently than other people. All right, Jesse, what is our hack this week? All right, our hack this week is to make sure that you have a different emergency plan for different emergencies, like power outages versus fires. What's your plan and what's your get out of trouble free card kind of a thing? And this doesn't need to be written down or anything, just at some point kind of think things through what you need to do, what you need to grab, and how or who you need to call. All right, so let's get into the episode today. We are going to be talking about the different sports and how your blood sugar may react to having that activity level change and having that kind of new activity thrown into your routine. 
We'll also going to be going into detail about some of our experiences, our sports that we've done, and some tricks that you might be able to take away from this episode that you can kind of start to incorporate into your new sports routine. So I'm going to start us off with my kind of sports, quote, career. So over my life, I usually like to say that I've tried every sport almost once, which is definitely not true. But at the same time, I have done a lot of sports over the last like 15-ish years. And for this section, I'll kind of talk about what that activity was and how it affected my luxury control and what kind of that journey was to make me more comfortable and still being able to do those really high intense activities. So the first sport that I played after I was diagnosed with diabetes was in the fifth grade. It was basketball and it was definitely the first and probably the most chaotic period of doing sports ever. One, I was just on insulin pump. I was just getting used to it, you know, the harpoon of the CGM had just come out. So we were trying that out and that didn't really work so great. So I stopped using it like halfway through the season. My parents were also getting divorced during this time. So that was chaotic all on its own. So I don't remember too, too much about my blood sugar control specifically. I do remember that I was on the CGM. I had my pump and what we did was we tested about 30 minutes before, 15 minutes before, and then right before practice started. And then when I got water breaks, I do remember going and testing, eating and sitting down or getting back on the court as soon as I tested just to be sure my blood sugar was okay and that my CGM was on track because it was not the greatest CGM in the world. I will say that a hundred times and it's very true. It was awful CGM and it was definitely a learning process and I think it was a pretty good starter for what the next couple of years were gonna look like and how to start experimenting with blood sugar control and different snacks and stuff like that. And it definitely helped me get my A1Cs down. The next sport I did was gymnastics, also in the fifth grade, as though I will admit I did not do it as long as I did basketball for. Basketball I did for about a full year. Gymnastics was a winter sport and I only did that for about three months, three to four months. And I didn't go as low as much during gymnastics because it I didn't, didn't involve as much running and as much high intensity, more so just like working on your control and your form and getting those muscles as much as you could as a fifth grader. But I do remember my low snacks at the time were juice boxes and those granola bars, those like 20 carb granola bars. And I did not wear my CGM for this. It was too much. I, it was too out of control. It just wasn't working for us. So I decided, you know what, we're not going to do this. And as a fifth grader, I was able to make that decision. It was really good. The next sport was volleyball. I did in the spring of my sixth and seventh grade year in middle school. And I had a lot of fun doing it. I did have a good CGM at this point. So I didn't have to test beforehand as much really or at all. I just have to look down like see what my CGM was telling me. I didn't have the suspend on low feature, but it did have the alert on low. So I was kind of able to catch some stuff if I set the uh, markers high enough, but I wasn't really able to like prevent a low at that point. And then my low snacks during this time were the peanut butter granola bars from Nature Valley. And I love those things. Okay. So also in middle school, seventh and eighth grade year, so a little bit later, 
I did softball and I was the first baseman. I will say that. I was kind of proud of that. Or just the fact that I wasn't in the outfield. I was not good at this part. I will admit I did not. I had fun doing it, but I wasn't the greatest at it. So at this point, I had my CGM. We were starting to figure things out. I was starting to get, you know, I still have the pink little 670 pump, little one, or the mini med, the original mini med pink pump. I love that thing. We used it like crazy. And then it was the same process as volleyball. But at this point, I did start to experiment with what low snacks actually worked for me instead of making me go really, really high. Like what were, could smaller juice boxes work? Could half a granola bar work instead of a full one? So yeah. And then track, I started doing this eighth grade year through high school. So this is where... I stopped doing volleyball and instead I did, did track instead. So that was really fun. And I was able to do it all the way through high school, kind of on and off more so. In my first year of track, I really wasn't in running shape though. So I did shot put instead, which is like you throwing the eight foot, eight pound weight as far as you can. So that was more of like lifting and working out with your arm muscles. So instead, my blood sugar would actually go up most of the time instead of going down. And the reason for this is if you do any kind of weightlifting process or any kind of more muscle control with like lifting things or doing weightlifting or, you know, stuff like that, there's this thing called lactic acid, which forms really, really strongly in your muscles as soon as you start lifting something. So like doing repetitions with a bicep curl, your blood sugar is actually going to go up because that's your body being like, oh, I'm going to pump out all of the sugar really, really fast because I'm not, I'm doing this activity and I, I need the sugar and I need, I need the push. But then again, you're not burning it off as quickly as you would if you were doing something like running. So that kind of brings me into cross country a little bit. And I did this all the way through high school. I absolutely loved cross country. This is when I started to figure things out. I had my CGM on. I figured out uh, we were using features like alert before low, suspend on low, temp target. I knew my body more. I realized 15 minutes before practice, I need to eat something. I need to put my temp target on. I had to make sure my fanny pack and phone band were with me at 100% of the time. Like, excuse me, we would go for runs like five or six miles off campus. So definitely making sure I had all of the snacks I needed more so than necessary. The fanny pack was really annoying, I will admit, but after a while I got used to it. And then when I took it off to do something, it felt like a chain had lifted, honestly. And up until this point, I would probably say that this and doing tr long distance track were probably the most intense sports that I've ever done. Color guard, I did add this in here. I also did this throughout high school. It was a lot easier on my body, so I didn't really need to do much with it. I kept my pump on. It stayed between 100 and 150 most of the time, and I didn't really have to do much. I just included it because you are doing a lot of strenuous activity with your arms and you're moving around, and it's outside, it's in the cold. So that was, that was a good sport. That was a very easy sport, and... I would consider a sport. I mean, goodness, you're throwing around seven foot poles in the air. So, yeah. Okay. So these next two sports I'm currently doing at MSU and I'm really enjoying them. So I play soccer twice a week 
at MSU. I'm not on the school team or anything like that, but it's actually for a class and it's a lot of fun. And I'm really starting to fall in love with like the game of soccer. I'm really starting to enjoy it. So I make sure my blood sugar is above 150 and I take my pump off, keep it on the sidelines with my water bottle. And then if I start to feel low, I run over, grab a couple of fruit snacks, pop them in my mouth and I'm back on the field. Honestly, it is a lot of running, but compared to the other sport I'm doing right now, it's not as intense. So I think that's why my blood sugar has kind of gotten quickly adjusted to it. And I don't really worry about it so much as I do my other sport. Okay. So this next one is the most intense, most difficult sport I've ever played in my entire life. And it is women's rugby. I literally get pummeled like six hours a week. You literally get tackled. And I have so many bruises at this point. And I definitely had to start experimenting all over again. Because everything I had done up until this point, I was never really working with adrenaline, muscle control, sprinting. And it's like all of the sports that I've done in the past put into one. Like you're lifting weights, you're sprinting hundreds of meters in a game, you're out of breath, you're in the mountains, it's cold outside, you can't really breathe, you, you know, so it's all of these extra things that I am learning all over again with a team that is so amazing and so supportive. And I feel so, so thankful that I get to play with them and that they've really taken me under their wing and, you know, gone really easy on me with my blood sugars because it's a lot. But I am currently playing for the official Montana State University team. We are a D1 team. And if you all want pictures of proof, I will be happy to put those in the show notes. But some things I've learned are as follows with this specific sport. Carry more low snacks than you think you may need. Set a temp target at least an hour before practice. Stop eating an hour before practice because... I will not go into great detail about this. Most of rugby, either you're hitting somebody at their stomach or below, or you're getting hit in the stomach or below. And that's not pretty after a while. Anyways, I can't play rugby or go to practice on the same days that I do soccer because it messes with my blood sugars so much. And my body is physically exhausted from playing soccer for like two hours and then going to play rugby for another hour and a half. Personally, that's a a lot for me right now. And I, it takes a lot of time out of doing homework and keeping up grades and stuff like that. So I can't do soccer and rugby on the same days. And since soccer is accredited class, I do play soccer over the fact that I um, am playing rugby. So anyways, moving on. If you go low during practice, it is not your fault. It's no one's fault, including your own fault. Like this is a lesson that I've had to learn over and over again. And I'm learning it all over again because I keep going low and I just got to keep reminding yourself it's okay. You might not get as playing time in a game because of your flow, and that's okay. And technically, I've got another seven seasons if I want to keep playing rugby for the next college, for my rest of my college career. So it's all good. And then you are your biggest critic. So yeah. Anyways, those are some things that I've learned over the last very long time. And yeah. All right, Colleen. 
So I have never considered myself athletic. And before 2019, when I did a couch to 5k, my definition of needing to run was running down the theater hallway to the bathroom and then back again. That was like the extent of my running. So most of my experience with exercise and sports was pre-CGM and pre-low carb. So it was all reactive. It was all in the moment correcting for lows. It was relying on how I felt in my body to see, oh, do I need to stop and check my blood sugar? And that happened frequently with like bike rides or skiing or hiking is just frequently relying on how I feel instead of actually having the CGM to tell me what my blood sugar is. I love having the CGM. It makes things so much easier. But also because it was before I switched to low carb, I would have a lot of highs starting out with exercise that would quickly crash. And so there was, there was, and there still is a big learning curve for me for how to exercise on low carb. I have not quite figured it out. My regimen includes bringing Smarties with me wherever I go, just in case I drop low. And that happens on hikes frequently here. And I've, uh, I think I've talked about that before on the podcast about my uh, love-hate relationship with diabetes and hiking. But in any case, I've done several different sports, not nearly as many or of interesting variety as Jesse has. I uh, was not in cross-country in high school, <laughs> although I did go to the cross-country meets because my sister was. But my, my, So my elementary school exercise career was basketball, and I, I love playing basketball when, you know, it's organized and you're not going to get killed on court. That was fun. But I do remember doing like the lines in basketball where you run from the end of the court to the to the different lines and then back to the end and then you go back and I so I re- I remember that specifically from practices and then also some of the stretches that I do now I learned in basketball practice. I don't remember much about the diabetes aspect other than I would go to my mom when I felt low. Check my blood sugar, correct, wait 15 minutes, go back on court. So that was kind of rote for pretty much any kind of exercise or sport when I was a kid. I did a lot of swimming, actually, uh, not in relation to school, but there was a high school, I think it was like a 20-minute drive from where I lived growing up, and it was they had a heated pool. So there was a reason we went to this, this high school instead of the actual high school that I should have been going to, because the high school that I did go to or the high school pool that I went to was heated and the one that I should have gone to was not. And I did not want to swim in a cold pool, but I would swim regularly at the heated pool because I just, I love swimming. I've been swimming since I was six months old and my dad and I would usually be the ones that we would go together to Purdy pool and we'd go swim laps for a couple hours every like Tuesday, Thursday evenings. They had some interesting schedules for outsiders to come in and, and like use the pool. So my dad and I would take, take advantage of that. And because this was pre-CGM, it was also pre-tandem pump. So I was on the old Medtronic pumps at this point. What I would do is I would unhook my pump after making sure that my number was high high enough to get in the water. And I would also get out periodically to test and have a low snack if needed. And if I did go high, then I would rehook the pump. Like after I got out, I would rehook, give a correction, let it finish the correction before unhooking again and then jumping back in the water. But I remember every single time we went swimming, afterwards, I would always have to get a full sugar Gatorade from the, or maybe it was an orange juice, from the vending machine afterwards. So like every single time I would have 
like this sugar infusion right afterwards because my blood sugar would always be low. But I do remember that. I also used to go kayaking. So I learned how to kayak pretty young. Can't remember how old I was, but it was either early teens or preteens. I learned how to kayak. And I used to kayak a lot at uh, a little local Washington lake called Wildcat Lake. My church had a church camp there called Luther Haven, loved Luther Haven. And I would take the kayak out because it was a property of the caretakers. And as long as you're a member of like a church that goes to that camp, you can take the kayak out. You can take any of the boats out. So I used to take the kayak out a lot. My pump stayed with me just so I, you know, I was always like, I was never really worried about flipping the kayak, but I was always extra like sure to like of myself to make sure that I wouldn't flip the kayak because I had the pump with me. And I would bring a, a fanny pack or a backpack with low snacks. And I actually did at one point go kayaking on the Snake River during college. I went with the Outdoor Recreation Center. They had a trip out to the Snake River to kayak. And I remember that trip. I was just like, I have to get a kayak because I hate the canoes. They brought canoes out too. I'm like, I'm getting a kayak. I don't care what y'all say. And so I got a kayak and then I had all of my stuff with me in the kayak. And I was very cautious not to flip it because I would not have been able to save my pump if it had. I also did a lot of bike riding, both pre-college and in college, not so much after college, except when I lived in Richland. And I I think I'll talk about these separately. But with before college and then during college, always ride with low snacks. Uh, I would always ride with a backpack with low snacks, usually fruit snacks and apple juice, apple juice cans, those little, like the little treetop apple juice cans. My, the bike I have now actually was the bike I got the summer before I went to college. And that was also the bike off of which I crashed that same summer and dislocated a rib. That was fun. Maybe it was, no, I actually separated the rib from the cartilage. I didn't dislocate it, just pulled away from the cartilage. So it felt like a broken rib, but it wasn't. It was just pulled away. So I still have that bike, but that was also the same year I got a Camelback backpack. And that was really nice for having water on the go to stay hydrated, but it was also an easy place to stash all my low snacks. So on my bike rides, I would uh, have like spots picked out along the route to stop and check my number. And because this was pre-CGM, I would have my meter with me and I got really good at stopping on my bike and then like pulling out the the, the meter kit and then balancing it while I did everything. So um, I had that. And then depending on what my blood sugar was and how far into the ride I was, I might turn around or finish early. <laughs> so on that bike ride where I crashed and pulled my rib out of my cartilage. It was a seven mile bike ride and it happened at basically the exact opposite uh, side of the circle. So it was a big circle and it was also at the bottom of a really steep hill. (laughs) I was like, well, crap. And I was more upset. I was more annoyed than anything else with having crashed and all of that. And I actually got back on my bike and I rode all the way home with my rib like that. (laughs) <laughs> and when I got back, my sister found me in my parents' bathroom cleaning up myself because I had scraped my arm and everything because I have a specific way that I fall off of bikes. This has been proven after multiple crashes. Like, I have I have a pattern. But she found me cleaning myself up, and she's like, did you eat it? I'm like, yeah. And I was just super mad. But that's one of my fun bike stories. <laughs> I have not crashed in a while, I will say that. Mostly because I haven't ridden, ridden in a while. Another thing I really love to do is skiing. I have been skiing since I was 10 years old. I've missed maybe three, between three and five seasons the last however many years it's been since I started skiing when I was 10, so 16 years. 
no, I'm not 26. I'm 28. What am I talking about? 18 years. So, um, Mamie missed four or five seasons that whole time. Most of those have been recently because of um, moving and uh, got rid of my ski boots because they were too tight. So I need to get new, new ski boots. But um, I did have a skiing basal profile on my pump for a while. So the, it depended on which which um, hill we were going to. If it was a really long drive to get to the hill, like four plus hours to get to White Pass from where I lived in Washington then I would have my basal profile basically ramp me up so that when I was on the slopes, my number was a little bit higher so that I could have some wiggle room. And then when I went low carb, I had to figure out how to how to get everything to work together so that I wasn't going to crash all the time. So it's been a while since I've been up skiing. So this next season, I'm going to have to figure all of that out again and uh, figure out like how soon before I go up on the hill, do I need to change my basal profile? What does my blood sugar need to be before I start? What do I need to be eating? Like what blood sugar can I get down to before I need to correct again? All of that. But it's really nice having the CGM now with skiing because I can just pull my pump out of either where, uh, so if I'm keeping it in my bra while I'm skiing, it's really easy to pull it out there. Or I could just go to my phone and look at my phone because my blood sugar reads to my phone too. So either way, it's really easy now for me to check my blood sugar while I'm on the slopes, except when I get the uh, no data alert, because it'll be like, oh, you're out of range. And for some reason, it always happens on the on the ski hill. So I can I can pretty much count on the fact that my sensor will probably cut out while I'm skiing. So that's why I carry the meter with me. Uh, before I had a CGM, skiing was a lot harder, but that did, that did not stop me. I would have to stop in the middle of a run or at the top after getting off of the lift to check and correct before heading down for another run. And like I do with a back, uh, when I'm biking, I ski with a backpack. So I always have my low snacks, my food, water, anything else that I need. And I also stuff my ski jacket with low snacks. So like every available pocket, I stuff Smarties, I stuff fruit snacks. When I was still doing the, apple juice cans. My old ski jacket had a little had a little pouch at the small of the back. And so I would I would put apple juice cans at the small of my back <laughs> when I was skiing just because that's where it, that's where they fit, that's where it worked. And I I've, I've I've never had a bad diabetes experience on the ski hill. I've always been able to handle everything that happens and it's never really worried me. I think having the CGM does give that extra peace of mind. But even before I had the CGM, I had no problem going up on the hill and skiing until I was tired. For hiking, I have always loved hiking. I've been hiking since I was a kid, but um, I've talked about this before. I ended up getting really frustrated with having to stop mid-trail or turn around because of my blood sugars. And this was both pre-CGM and post-CGM. And I'm starting to realize that it has more to do with thinking that the hike doesn't count unless you make it to the end. And if I didn't make it to the end, the hike didn't count. And if I was measuring my hiking, like I went on a hike today, if I, if I couldn't say that unless I made it to the end, then what was the point on, of going on a hike? And so I think changing that definition of what counts as a hike and then just like going until I feel like I need to turn around going until I feel like I need to stop instead of using the trail markers 
where the trails start finish as an indicator of whether or not I went hiking that day. So I think that's really important is to pay attention to what you're defining as counting for your exercise. I took weightlifting in a community college, did not really enjoy it. I also had a personal trainer at one point and still did not enjoy weightlifting, but I will say that I have very good form and the the personal trainer I worked with said that I picked it up really fast. So I don't have any issues. Like if I have to go start weightlifting again, then I'm confident that I could. I just don't enjoy it. But I did notice that um, during that weightlifting class, my number would drop if I did cardio first. So the class was kind of, it was too big for everyone to do the weightlifting at the same time. So the professor would split us into weights versus cardio and then alternate every other class. And since I noticed my number would drop if I did cardio first, it was like if I step on a treadmill, my number goes down. I basically coerced the professor into letting me do weight first every time instead of having to do cardio first, because then if I did it the other way around, my blood sugar would drop and I wouldn't be able to finish the class. <laughs> it's like, this is in both of our best interests to let me do this. So that was my experience with weightlifting. I also did rock climbing in college. And this was actually like actual college, not community college. But uh, I have been, technically, I have been rock climbing since I was, I want to say seven, because that's how young they let you start rock climbing at Camp Baraka for Panther Camp, which is where both Jesse and I went as campers for for camp. And they had an actual, like, legit rock climbing wall. And it was, it was the bomb. It was awesome. But I ended up buying my own harness, like buying my own shoes, getting all my own gear when Washington State University opened their own rock climbing gym, like in the rec center. I was stoked when that happened. Spent a lot of time there. Also had a lot of lows because this was again, pre-CGM. I remember a climb where I got off the wall and this was, I think, my last attempt to get to the top. I got to the top, I got back down, unhooked everything, went and checked my blood sugar and it was in the 40s. And so I stuffed my face with fruit snacks and sat there until my blood sugar came up because I think I also had to walk back to my apartment, which was on the other side of campus. It was like over a mile away. I think that was not a day where where we drove, <laughs> but we ended up driving a lot after that. I said I was going to mention bike riding um, after college, and this was when I lived in Richland. I used to bike ride a lot in, in Richland. So this started when I was doing my internship for uh, Pacific Northwest National Lab. I would actually sometimes ride my bike from the place I was staying in West Richland all the way to the lab. And that was like a 10 mile bike ride one way. So there were, there was a lot of creative management with eating carbs to make sure I didn't drop too badly on um, like the ride to work or the ride home. There were time, there was a time where I rode my bike uh, down one of the trails they have in Richland, got to the end, made sure my blood sugar was all good. And then when I got on my on my bike to ride back, my tire was flat and I was seven and a half miles away from my car. And it had one of those like little goat heads stuck in my wheel or in my tire and that like punctured it immediately. And so it was also close to closing time for the bike shop. <laughs> But thankfully, I got I got rescued by the bike shop guy. He gave me Kevlar tires, and then I uh, rode back to my car. But um, I think my blood sugar was 
pretty fine that time. I had a lot of Smarties, a lot of fruit snacks, a lot of apple juice. This is all pre-going low carb. Since I've gone low carb, I've had more problems with bike riding because my blood sugar likes to take a nosedive uh, almost immediately after I get on. So I'm still working that out. And then the couch to 5k, that's my most recent attempt at like actual kind of exercise exercise. That was in 2019. So a few years ago now, I did notice that I had to basically ham fist my Smarties because even though I was on exercise mode or on suspend, my blood sugar was still dropping sometimes even into the 50s while on on the run. And uh, at my race, actually, my blood sugar dropped into the 50s right after I finished. And so I had to sit on the curb after I crossed the finish line to just eat Smarties until I was stable enough to, to do anything else. So that's like my history with exercise. It is not as impressive as Jesse's. I am I still don't consider myself that athletic. I do yoga <laughs> in the morning. That's like it. I go on walks, go on hikes. I'm I'm pretty low impact. I'm not doing rug- rugby anytime soon or ever. <laughs> Honestly, rugby's a lot. But anyways, so we're going to kind of get into some tips and words of support for you guys. Sometimes it's just good to hear those happy little reminders if you're having problems with your blood sugars while you're doing a sport. So literally the biggest thing that I can think of is when you go low, you are your biggest critic and missing practice because you don't feel good or you need to take off. I've done this a couple of times during rugby because I don't feel good. My blood sugar has been crazy. It's a lot. Um... It's okay. I have to learn that lesson so many times over and over again for every single activity I've done. And it's okay to remember that you have a chronic illness for the rest of your life and that it is so much more important to take care of yourself now so you can have a longer, happier future before earning some points for a rugby game or getting a time off off for a cross-country meet or something you know just just keeping that in mind that you need to take care of yourself now so that you can be happier in the long run and uh, my advice i guess is well jesse has already said this with her rugby is experiment 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 always experiment figure out what regimens of pre-bolusing pre-eating or whatever work for you and for your sports situation maybe you need to increase your basal for an hour before unhooking at practice I don't know, but you won't figure out what does work until you try to enough things that don't work. So you have to figure out what doesn't work to figure out what does work. There is no one size fits all answer for exercise with diabetes because everyone's body works differently. I was someone who used my diabetes to get out of running laps in PE in high school. <laughs> Contrast that with Jesse who ran on purpose in high school. We're different. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't use others' impressive sports capabilities as reasons for you not to try it out. All right. So our spotlight this week is to actually you guys, our listeners, who have been playing sports and are currently playing sports or have been. You guys are the true MVPs of the game, even if your coach hasn't told you that or, you know, whatever else is going on. But you have to remember that you're doing awesome just for putting yourself out there and trying something hard with a chronic disease that you're literally going to have for the rest of your life. Probably. Hopefully not. But who knows? But yeah, way to go and put yourselves out there and taking care of yourself physically and mentally. Yeah, way to go. You guys are great. And our question for you guys is, what is your favorite sport that you have done or currently doing? And how do you handle all of your blood sugars and all the crazy ups and downs? And that is it for this episode of This is Type 1. 
You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 116. That's the number 116. Apply to be a guest by visiting thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. If you want to hit a focused inspiration in your inbox every week, sign up for my email list at inspiredforward.com. I'm on all social media as at inspiredforward, and our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at JJ underscore crystal K-A-T. And then we do have our own Instagram page. Handle is this is type one pod. That's the number one. We would love to hear from you guys about questions or comments you have about type one diabetes, anything that we've said on the show that you have questions about. If you guys have ideas of things you want to hear from us, let us know and just let us know that you're a listener. We'd love to hear from y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.